Your son, he's gone. He was weak and foolish, like his father. So I destroyed him. Hello everyone and welcome to the Weak and Foolish Movie Podcast. My name is Mike Tang and with me is... Job Eng. Today's episode is a special one. Uh, it's one that we've been talking about doing for a long time. And if you listen to our podcast at all, you know that Job and I love movies and we especially love auteur filmmakers. And these are filmmakers who basically have a great amount of artistic control over their movies. And they're regarded as the authors of their film. Now, these are filmmakers who have very distinct styles, mainly in cinematography, but also in writing, storytelling, and even actors they repeatedly cast in their movies. Uh, Some examples of contemporary American auteurs are like Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, Wes Anderson. You can also say Christopher Nolan. Uh, I mean, he's British-American, but, you know, he makes movies in America, so he's American. And um, uh, Michael Bay also, uh, he can be considered an auteur as well because his films have a very distinct style. Uh, Our goal today with today's episode is to introduce a body of work from an auteur filmmaker who may not produce a lot of movies that are viewed by mainstream audiences. Uh, So actually most auteur filmmakers make movies that are considered art house or indie. So a lot of people don't really give them a chance because they might be perceived as boring movies. So uh, just to be clear, uh, Job and I are not trying to disparage people who love mainstream movies. Uh, Look at the name of our podcast, okay? We clearly love mainstream commercial movies. (laughs) Job is literally the first person to buy like a dozen tickets for all of us when we go see (laughs) Avengers Endgame or Star Wars uh, opening night. So we're not saying in any way that there's a problem with loving mainstream movies because we Mm. absolutely adore them. Okay, but what we are encouraging, however, is for people to not only watch mainstream movies and to give art house or indie or foreign films a chance. Um, I I kind of liken this to people only eating a certain type of cuisine of food, right? And and, and they only eat the same type of food and they don't really try food from other areas or uh, other parts of the world. Like, for example, let's just say I eat American food all the time, hot dogs, pasta, salads, sandwiches burgers like that's all great you know but there's literally hundreds of other cuisines out there indian thai vietnamese peruvian yeah i mean you name it uh tons of other cuisines that will blow your mind away but if you never tried them you would ever you know you would never know what you're missing out on Mm. so our, our hope for today's episode is that you our listener will at least consider broadening your palate um maybe stretch your limits on the kinds of films you take in and, you know, maybe it just might end up, uh, you know, impressing you and maybe you might end up enjoying it. Um, at the very least, auteur filmmakers can show you a different type of story or a different type of character uh, that you've never seen before or like an emotion expressed in a way that you haven't felt uh, in a movie before. Uh, so in today's episode, we will be discussing one of my favorite filmmakers, Wong Kar Wai. Uh, so I've been talking for a long time. Job, why don't you introduce Mr. Wong Kar Wai for us. Yeah, so Wong Kar Wai is a Hong Kong film director uh, making who made his emergence on the film scene with his first feature-length movie called As Tears Go By. This was back in 1988. 
He's definitely one of the most recognizable names in Hong Kong cinema, but he has since then transcended to international shores thanks to the appeal of his atmospheric dreamlike films, um, oftentimes bathed in soft hues, a lot of nostalgia uh, laced in, and the ever-universal pervading sense of loneliness that permeates his films. Most of his movies feel incomprehensible at first. Uh, I know I certainly felt that way when I first saw his movie. I was like, what in the world is going on here? Uh, but it, yeah, they, he kind of has this habit of dropping you right into a scene or even switching characters out mid-plot uh, or generally not following a, a sensible timeline, at, at least sensible in terms of what we're used to in a, a three-act type of standard movie or story or play. Um, but that's often what we find is the charm of his greatest works, that dreamlike state between waking and sleeping. Like, um, it feels like you're just in the a constant dream state, but you're a- awake and, and experiencing it. Um, and that's oftentimes his strength, but also can be a weakness in some of his weaker films, as we'll probably get to later. I personally... Love Wong Kar Wai's movie making style because it doesn't lean on the tropes that that's standard to Hollywood um, to reach my heart and my emotions. It's it's his long, slow, achingly intimate shots, zeroing in on and trusting his actors to be real and human. Uh, his movies aren't always necessarily high concept. A lot of it feels like a slice of life, with some exceptions, of course. Uh, And that's to be expected with a filmmaker who has made about 10 movies in his career, not to mention all the shorts. Um, Generally in life, we feel a sense of regret, but we live in that tense beauty of that regret in these movies. Yeah, dude, I I totally agree with everything you said, especially like just how dreamlike his films feel and just uh, the, the, the beauty of the images that he's able to produce mm-hmm. um, and capture for his movies. Um, and I, I guess just to add on to that, um, the, like how the camera moves, moves and the types of lenses. And he even has a, a trademark slow shutter speed. It's called step printing. Um, it, it looks like the image is like smeared. And I think that visual experience of a Wong Kar Wai movie is what really puts his audiences into that Mm-hmm. dreamlike state uh, his use of also vibrant colors um, that dominate each film and I also think Wong Kar Wai he's able to I mean you kind of touched upon this but I just kind of want to reiterate it also is that he's he's able to convey very specific emotions like heartbreak or loneliness in very unique ways that I don't think we normally see in western films and yeah. his characters are just very idiosyncratic you know so the way they express themselves it's it's funny, but it's also endearing hmm. and kind of sad in some ways. So um, yeah, definitely we we love his movies. I think we both share that that love for Wong Kar Wai uh, in that way. Yeah, while um, also ac- acknowledging his his weaknesses. You know, um, the thing about Wong Kar Wai that makes the makes me really intrigued by him is like his. He has a propensity of like really going huge with his movies in terms of quality. And then sometimes it just kind of falls flat and it 
it's it makes me really intrigued uh, to like know more about his mind and how how he goes about making and writing a project yeah it sounds i mean his movies feel like jazz you know in that mm, like it yeah. just feels like he's making it up as he goes along and i think just from what i've read like he he changes the story or changes lines like the day of and he does hmm. he rewrites things as they as they make the movie um and sometimes they'll take breaks in the middle of production uh so he can kind of map things out a little bit more <laughs> yeah yeah so uh like very unconventional style of filmmaking it takes a really long time to complete his films um yeah sometimes like three to five years you know making a movie and you know like they made they made Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker in two years. <laughs> you know, so uh, Less a movie that. that to that scale, right? A 200 million plus movie, right. you know, took two years to make. Um, mm-hmm. But Wong Kar Wai takes like five years to make this small indie film. So uh, I, I think I think that's what, like you said, it's his greatest strength because of how uh, you know, improvised some of the scenes feel and how authentic. And because of that, it feels so authentic. But... Uh, you know that can easily like collapse on itself, and it just can just completely alienate the audience. So um, right he does not have a perfect film- filmography. Not every single one of his movies is a is a knock out of the park, you know, uh, type movie. Yeah. But um, well, I guess just you know, on the topic of his filmography, um, where do you begin if you wanted to get a taste of a Wong Kar Wai film? Um, I think personally, the two Wong Kar Wai films that everybody needs to see is Chunking Express and In the Mood for Love. Uh, to me, Chunking Express is the gateway drug into Wong Kar Wai. Uh, Quentin Tarantino once said that he cried during this movie because it was, not because it was a sad movie, but because he just loved it so much. <laughs> and uh, with this film, with Chunking Express, you'll immediately be whisked away into the grimy, gritty world of Wong Kar Wai's Hong Kong. And it's a Hong Kong that... Uh, Wong Kar Wai captures with like gorgeous colors and, and just frenetic camera work. Um, you'll meet the the famous Hong Kong actor Tony Leung and um, <laughs> the other Asian actor Takeshi Kaneshiro. Uh, Tony Leung's pretty much in all of Wong Kar Wai's movies, so you'll get a taste of his acting as well, which is superb. Um, you'll experience Wong Kar Wai's poetic dialogue, which is uh, very trademark, uh, and you know lots of musings on love and heartbrokenness. The song California Dreaming will be forever changed by this movie for you. Like, I cannot listen to that song or hear that song without thinking about this movie. Like, it's always going to be associated with this movie. You'll also get a taste of a film with very little story. Uh, Conventional movies, they have a very specific structure to their stories, right? Movies begin with introducing their characters, you establish their flaws and their goals, and then you kick off with an event that triggers the adventure that the characters uh, embark on which ultimately changes them by s- some kind of climactic moment at the end and uh, immediately you'll see in Chunking Express that no such structure exists and in Wong Kar Wai's movies we don't always get everything neatly resolved and questions answers a lot of things happen and we just don't know why some things are left are left uh, very open-ended and you know we have to ask and think about it uh, for ourselves mm-hmm so uh, Chunking Express is a fun movie. It's, it's a more lighthearted movie. It's funny. It's sad. Uh, it'll make you smile. Uh, there's a lot of weird things that happen that characters do. Uh, but it's ultimately, in the end, very charming. And, I, like, 
I just can't watch this movie without smiling and just feeling fuzzy inside. Um, mm. <laughs> and the other movie I mentioned uh, that you should start with is uh, In the Mood for Love, which is regarded as one of the greatest films of the 21st century. Uh, and so the BBC actually had a list that they came out with a couple years ago of best movies of the 21st century so far. And they put In the Mood for Love as number two. Um, wow. out of number two out of 100 is just behind Mulholland Drive at number one so in the move for love like I think the consensus is that this is Wong Kar Wai's magnum opus this is his best objective film uh, to me it's it's a perfect film uh, so immaculately crafted every single fa- frame is a painting um, I, it's a very powerful expression of loss and longing um, it's not the easiest film to watch because it is, you know, slow, but it's, but it will engage you right from the get go. Um, if you, if you're patient with a slower film like this, uh, mm-hmm. and it's extremely rewarding if you were to sit through this and, and just try to focus on each shot, each, each scene and, and what happens in each scene and how everything unfolds. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts, uh, Job on where people should start? Do, like, do you agree? Chunking Express and in the mood for love is that are those good starting places or are there other movies in his filmography that you'd like to recommend yeah well you know you you mentioned these two films uh as the starting points and i would agree because uh, from personal experience these were the movies you showed me when we had our uh, film camps uh, yeah that's a, right a few years ago <laughs> these were the first two Wong Kar Wai films i was exposed to and i would stand by i would stand by showing these first if you or or checking them out first if you were to check out these movies um i i agree with you mike these these films are i think they're perfect films but i would say to 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 our listeners uh who aren't usually into art house movies or haven't heard about Wong Kar Wai at all these are the kind of movies that you kind of need to experience fully um in a darkened room, probably with the lights out and no distractions. I would say put your phone away and turn off notifications and whatnot, because these movies need to be experienced. Um, and and like you said, Mike, they need patience. You kind of have to be willing to sit through it and just, again, I mentioned earlier, Wong Kar Wai likes to linger and, on faces and let the actors kind of do the work of conveying an emotion and I think he's a master at drawing that out of his characters. And I think if you're to truly experience a Wong Kar Wai movie, in fact, if you're to truly experience any movie, you should watch it without distractions. So please don't fast forward this. Don't double tap on the right to skip past a scene or something like that. These movies must be experienced as movies, as complete works. And, um, that's that's all I'll say. I think we're gonna talk more about some of Wong Kar Wai's directorial and storytelling tendencies as we go through his films here. But yeah, that would be my one thing: is let's just watch these, like watch these movies as if you're in a theater. You know, don't talk, don't text, don't ruin the movie. <laughs> you know those uh, <laughs> adverts in front of movies in movie theaters. Remember that movie theaters oh man we need it we need to get back we need yep. we need the theaters back but yeah i All think right. we can move into the the films what do you think 
Yeah, let's do it. So in this section, we will be going through his entire filmography. We're going to talk about each movie and uh, in chronological order of release. So whenever he releases the nice. films. So that's 10 movies. And so we know that, that that's a lot of movies to go through. So we will try to be as economical as possible with the time. <laughs> um, and just as a warning, we may cover some spoilers in our discussions. So do not listen until you've seen his movies. Uh, we're going to mark each not. movie's yeah. discussion with a title card. So if you want to jump around this section of our uh, podcast episode, you can. Um, all right. So here, here we go. Let's start with uh, his very first film, As Tears Go By, from 1988, uh, which is an action drama about a small-time triad member trying to keep his friend out of trouble. Uh, Job, what, what are your thoughts on As Tears Go By? Yeah, this as as a first movie goes, it feels very much like a uh, a first project. Uh, I I think of Brick by Ryan Johnson as well. It's got this like very indie, very homemade, very handheld style of filmmaking, and um, <laughs> even even the sound sounds a little tinny and eighties to me. I I don't. I hope that's not just a transfer that we were watching. But yeah, this very much feels like a first project, someone kind of stretching their wings, trying to get going as a filmmaker. Um, but I thought it was really beautiful. It was kind of a poignant, brutal look at the gangster life. Um, I, I think loyalty is a huge theme in this one. Um, it's almost a an innocent loyalty that we see in this, in this film where um, the gang... Lodi or the the big brother like is always looking out for his uh stupid uh fellow gang member but it feels like a fruitless endeavor and i think there's that sense of inevitability and like aloneness that that already is starting to show up in Wong Kar Wai's films um but i do think it's really precious i i think it really hit the heartstrings and there is a sad inevitability to it all um, that I found really devastating. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. This feels like a director's first film. It's very rough around the edges. Um, I actually thought I was, I'd seen this before, but actually when we were watching through these, uh, I realized this is the first time I, I actually have seen this. I, I confused this oh. with his next film, and I thought uh, I got confused by them. So... Okay. I, I feel like in his entire filmography, his 10 film filmography, this is his most conventional film. Uh, it's it's a pretty straightforward plot that goes from point A to B to C. Uh, to me, it doesn't really feel like a Wong, Wong Kar Wai movie. Uh, there are some hints of what the Wong Kar Wai that we will see in the future. We see some scenes that are uh, lit with like neon lights and colors, very vibrant. And there's still step print, uh, step printing, slow motion, which he uses in every other every movie uh, in his filmography. So, but you know that that I think that's about it. Everything else bears very little resemblance to the Wong Kar Wai that we know now, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I think I think there are some hilarious shots in this movie, and I don't know if it's intentional, but there's a scene in this movie where there's a gangster who 
feeds his cat beer. <laughs> he has this like oh, yeah. really sadistic look on his face. I, I laughed out loud. I'm like, I'm like watching this by myself and I'm like dying. And I kind of wish we watched it together because I think we would have had a lot, of, a lot to say about that. Um, the relationship in this movie, oh, uh, the, yeah. the romance. I, we got to talk about the romance in this movie because that's one of the core elements. I mean, I know it's a gangster movie, but uh, it stars Andy Lau and Maggie Chung, uh, who will both appear in Wong Kar Wai movies later on. But uh, just imagine if Luke Skywalker and Princess <laughs> uh, Leia, they not only uh, made out, but they had sex while knowing that they were related. <laughs> It's like Jon Snow and Daenerys, okay? Andy Lau and Maggie Chung, they're like direct cousins, like first cousins. So, um, man, if you're into that stuff, then, boy, this is a this is a wonderful movie for you. Oh, but goodness. for me, I, I just I actually texted Job while I was watching this movie just to clarify, like, hey, they're cousins, right? They they, they said that they're cousins in this movie. Did, did I miss something that where they discovered that they're not cousins? And then, yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. And you're just like, I just think we just have to accept that they're related. And, yeah. <laughs> um, I <laughs> I don't understand, uh, like, how we're supposed to buy that as an audience. But, uh, okay. Um, the, there are a couple parts that feel, you know, I said before that this movie feels a little rough around the edges. And I, I noticed some scenes suddenly changed lighting and color, like, drastically. Like, it was... Uh, yeah there were blue tones and all of a sudden the scene changed to like orange and nothing, nothing was happening in the scene. You know, they're just people sitting around talking, but then it just all of a sudden changed. So, uh, that was a little, little jarring to see. Um, another laugh out loud moment. (laughs) Uh, there's a, there's a part in this movie where, um, like Andy Lau and the gangsters are like playing or they're like trying to torture each other. Right. So they, they stick a gun into, each other's pants and then they basically pull the trigger to see if it would blow off their penis (laughs) (laughs) and then i mean there's like like the gun will be in andy lyle's pants pointing at his at his wiener and then uh the gangster will kick will kick andy lyle's crotch and then the gun will go off but it would miss and that's how they like torture each other it's like you know it's really silly and you wouldn't see that in a movie today but you know uh, yeah. I, I, I chalk it up to, you know, it's his first film and also it's, it's a movie from the eighties. So, you know, they were operating on different standards back then. Totally. Yep. If you uh, like, uh, incest, this is a great movie for you. Yeah. I mean, or thematically, what's the, I, I know there's yeah. stuff about gangsters and there's, uh, incestual love, but I, I, I just did not connect with this movie that well and yeah to, i mean to be honest with you i was actually checking my my phone to see how much more time was left <laughs> so <laughs> like don't fall, much... don't be like us <laughs> yeah uh yeah what job said before about like d- putting away your phone and all that this is uh i don't think this is that kind of movie where you yeah do that for I, I, I mean i don't think either of us recommend that you watch this i mean if you if you fall in love with Wong Kar Wai movies and just want to complete his filmography then yeah for sure watch this movie (laughs) there are some good reviews out there about this movie i just i think i don't think either of us really enjoyed it that much yeah i don't this is if if you were to make an exception to my rule or my command to put your phone away this this would be one of the movies you can go ahead and check twitter if you want (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move on to Wonka right. Wai's second film 
His second film is Days of Being Wild, released in 1990. It's a little difficult to describe, but, you know, it's essentially about a Hong Kong playboy in the 1960s. And it's about his escapades with uh, different women. Uh, Job, what did you think about Days of Being Wild? Yeah, I, you know, it's it's one of those films that begins to explore that really, really explore that concept of um, that unmoored feeling almost. It's like a ship that's kind of not not anchored to anything and is just floating about. Um, the main character in this film, Leslie Trung's character is is someone who kind of floats from relationship to relationship woman to woman he's a very charming guy we see that he seduces uh and this is another maggie Chung movie but um he seduces this woman um simply by giving her a really eloquent poetic uh pickup line about time <laughs> and she like completely falls for him and um yeah sorry about the spoilers but um, I think it's an exploration of a, a lonely person, someone who is uh, who can't commit to just one woman and has and finds himself floating from woman to woman. Karina Lau is also in this film, um, and yeah, it's he's just kind of allergic to commitment of any kind, and it sounds like you you're watching this film about a horrible person. But I think it's actually more a film about a very broken person because we find out that he was kind of abandoned by his family when he was young. And, yeah, yeah. what do you think? Uh, Yeah, dude, right from the opening shots of this movie, you can tell that this is the Wong Kar Wai that we know. Um, That's right. It just felt way more disciplined, I guess, in the beginning, like Mm -hmm. a lot more restrained. And uh, he, like the the opening shots are so they're darker, they're slower, uh, the camera's a little bit more steady, and he has a lot of uh, shots where it just felt very melancholy. It's very quiet, yeah. And the dialogue is very romantic too. The way Leslie Chung, no, and, and just to clarify, uh, the way Job is pronouncing some of these last names, he's using the Cantonese pronunciation. Um, I'm just yeah. reading it like it's English, so. Uh, I, I say Leslie Chung. You, how did you pronounce it? Leslie Chung? Chung, yeah. I see. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I um, could be wrong too. Just don't, okay. don't, don't use us as like the uh, pronunciation. Well, guy, when you, sorry. hey, we, when you, uh, if you don't know, just go with the English pronunciation. So, um, all right. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Um, but, uh, I mean, the scene where Leslie Chung talks to Mag, meets Mag, Maggie Chung's character and then he kind of hits on her. And then they 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 talk about dreaming, and then they talk about spending that one minute together. Uh, you know mm-hmm. that that one minute that they would remember. Like those are all elements within the first five minutes uh, of this movie that I, I felt like wow. I, I feel like now I'm feeling like, like I'm watching a Wong Kar Wai film. Um, right. Some really unique things about this one, man. This is a steamy movie. Like Wong Kar Wai shoots very close to the actors' faces, and you can see the sweat beads <laughs> forming on their skin. Like, it's like it, you feel like it's really hot and humid, <laughs> even though I'm sitting in like my cool AC room. Like I, <laughs> I felt I felt the steaminess of this movie, the, the humidity. Yes. Um, it. Uh, I kind of mentioned before that it, it, it was a little dark, and um, I, I feel like 
the whole movie feels like that. There's like overcast, right? It's either if it's during the daytime, it's overcast. There's no sunlight or very little uh, limited sunlight at night. It's very dimly lit. Uh, it's very dramatic, and um, and I, I think combined with the the sweatiness, it feels very visceral. And I think what you said, I think, makes so much sense. It's about Leslie Chung's character. He's his playboy. He's so suave and, and seductive. Uh, he's like a womanizer and player, but he actually is very lonely. And um, I think that's captured by you feel the weight of, uh, of of the atmosphere in this film just weighing down on these characters. Um, I think this is the only Wong Kar Wai movie that lacks the uh, step printing image smearing that's in all the other movies. I think it's like I don't I didn't notice any single shot. Did you that that had that uh, step printing? Yeah i I didn't I didn't catch anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that, that was interesting. Like, oh, he used it in his first movie. How come he didn't use it here? I wonder. Uh, maybe but, he thought he would. Uh, maybe he was working on refining his style, right? So maybe he figured, let's try a film without it, and see yeah, if true. that works. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Still finding and, and a stride I, by this point. I, yeah, um, I think the yeah, really like I think he found his voice with this film. Like uh, he found mm-hmm. out. I think he really discovered something about his talents and his gifts uh, with this movie. I mean, that's what it feels like when, when I watch it. Um, I, I love how, like, some of his characters will ran, randomly burst into dance. Um, like, they're doing the <laughs> cha-cha. And they're beautifully weird moments. And it's so Wong Kar Wai. And, and, you know, I, lo- I love that about this movie. Um, mm. The movie also suddenly switches from Leslie Chung's character to Maggie Chung. And I thought that was a nice surprise. Like, all of a sudden, it's about Maggie Chung for, like, mm-hmm. 10, 15 minutes. And uh, she meets a new man in Andy Lau. And so I, I, I was just as interested in her story and her relationship with Andy Lau uh, as uh, Leslie Chung. And uh, let's, I mean, you, we kind of already mentioned the actors in this movie, but it's an all-star cast. Uh, Leslie yeah. Chung, Maggie Chung, Karina Lau, Andy Lau. Uh, and in the final shot in the movie, which is a three-minute continuous take, <laughs> it drops Tony Leung into this movie with zero context or explanation. It just, <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden, it cuts to Tony Leung. He's sitting on a bed. He's getting dressed, and he's doing his hair. He's putting things in his pocket. He looks nice, and he leaves. And that's the end of the movie. Cuts the credits. Um <laughs> Like, it had no explanation whatsoever. Uh, I thought, I, I love the ending because of that, but I have no, I, like, I don't get it. I don't get why the heck yeah. he's here. Right. That, I had the same reaction. Uh, I remember you had told me, because you'd seen this movie before, Mike, but you told me, just wait till the end. Don't look anything up. And I waited and waited. And, and at the end, I was like, wait, that's that's Tony Lung. Like, What's he doing in this movie? He literally drops in the the previous characters all an hour and a 25 minute runtime was all resolved. It felt like the movie was over and suddenly there was this shot of this mysterious guy that we have no idea how he ties in or plays into the story. And so it actually forced me to look it up and find out what, what the heck was that about. And um, it turns out that this was supposed to be a character that Wong Kar Wai would bring into the next movie. Um, 
in a similar way to what you see in modern day superhero movies. So I actually was curious. I I'd like to know. I don't I don't know that John Favreau would ever get asked this because he's the big Star Wars guy now. Um, if if he had researched or had been inspired by this moment in Wong Kar Wai's movie when he first brought Nick Fury into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, <laughs> random character, <laughs> random character that had nothing to do with the current movie but would connect to the story, the wider story later on. I mean, this is, this was unprecedented. This is, what, 1990 when this movie came out? Yeah, 18 years before Iron Man. Yeah, so... Who knows? Maybe it was a coincidence. Maybe it was just Wong Kar Wai being way ahead of his time. But uh, yeah, we'll find out that this character that Tony Lung is in this movie shows up in a movie that Wong Kar Wai makes almost 10 years later. Yeah. Should we say um, what it is or save that as a surprise? Oh, I think we can say it. Like, uh, this yeah. movie connects, is very loosely connected to In the Mood for Love. That's right. And then um, it eventually connects to, day, uh, sorry, 2046, yeah. uh, which we will They're talk about later. They're supposed to be the same. Sorry. They are supposed to be the same timeline, actually, because I looked up the uh, IMDb and the character names, and they are the same character names. Oh, interesting. Kar- Kar- Karina Lau in this movie is actually the same character as she is in 2046 oh right yeah yeah 2046 that connection for sure is is there uh i mean uh this is a spoiler for 2046 but i was going to talk about it later anyways but oh yeah there's the theme song in this movie plays in 2046 when you see karina lao's character um i I actually watch i watched days of being wild uh and 2046 back to back so, oh, uh, nice. so immediately I'm like, oh shoot, this is a song. And then her, they, Tony Leung's character mentions Leslie Leung's character, not by name, but like he, he talks about her. Oh, I heard, I heard you went to the Philippines to look for right. a person. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, good catch. I didn't catch yeah. that. The order that I watched this trilogy was like the Star Wars trilogy. You know, I, I watched the middle <laughs> chapter first in the mood for love. Then I went back and watched Days of Being Wild, the prequel. <laughs> and then I watched uh, 2046, the sequel trilogy. Um, we are named yeah. after a Star Wars uh, line. So have to bring it back to Star yeah. Wars all the time. <laughs> You know, on the flip side of that John Favreau uh, story <laughs> that that you mentioned, I wonder if Wong Kar Wai watched Iron Man, and I wonder if he thought, "Hey, he stole my move." <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's true. Let's ask him sometime. One day. One day. One day. One day. All right. Let's move on to his next film, Ashes of Time, which was released in 1994. This is a wuxia martial arts period film uh, inspired by a classic Chinese novel. Okay. <laughs> My immediate thought after finishing this was what in the world that I just watched? Um, I had a million questions watching this. Like, who is this character? Why is she touching him like this? She just met him. Do they know each other? Wait, that guy and the girl are the same person? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what What happened to the characters we were just watching? They never came back into the story. Um, you know, I, I got so lost watching this movie. I, I, This is just like as tears go by, I, I started checking out. 
and I was just like staring at mustard based colors on screen for 90 minutes. Um, yeah. Wong Kar, we, we've talked about Wong Kar Wai's uh, beautiful cinematography, but in my opinion, this movie is not very pleasing to the eyes. I think 90% of this movie looks like a, a terrible Instagram filter applied to every shot. Uh, it's the same nasty yellow mustard tint. Um, so I, I didn't think it looked pretty. Um, the, the water in this yeah. movie was like sky blue, like a neon sky blue. It just didn't didn't look right. And we watched uh, we watched this together over the phone, and and this is a Redux version, which is supposed to be a re-edited version of the film by by Wong Kar Wai, and it was reduced to 93 minutes from 100 minutes. But I'm not sure if those seven missing minutes would have solved the movie's many problems. No, um, I'm sure there's people out there who love this film, who found it to be meaningful, and. Maybe we need to watch it again and revisit it. But uh, the experience of watching it for the first time, it was very painful. And I don't know if watching it, uh, I don't know if I'll be watching it anytime soon. Uh, I certainly won't. Um, this, I, I had very few notes. I, I agree with your assessment, Mike. I agree with you. That's that's like the thing we do. Um, to be <laughs> fair... I think we were, we were probably watching a pretty crappy transfer of the movie. Um, hopefully that's what it is because I this can't justify This is the Redux version, though. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But, you know, you it maybe it was a DVD master or something. Uh, I, I we'll don't know see. if it would I don't know if it makes that big of a difference, though, you know, like where probably it would not. look this terrible. Like, it, I can see don't, with like. Don't make me talk about the Matrix, Mike. Uh, don't me. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on, go on, go on. No, no, no. I'm, I, I'm kidding. It, I, it's just I'm curious if this movie's included in Wong Kar Wai's uh, 4K restorations. If it looks the same, um, we'll see. Maybe he intentionally made it grimy and disgusting for some reason. Maybe he was still trying to find his voice. I don't know, but. I, I'm not enough of an apologist of Wong Kar. I love his work. He is he is has quickly ascended to amongst my top directors. But uh, no, this was a bad movie. Yeah, <laughs> not a good movie. Um. All right. <laughs> cool. Let's move on to his better. F- <laughs> this is the one. So 1994, Ashes of Time. So the story behind this movie is he was editing the film and he actually took like uh, a couple month break from editing it because uh, he had to get, I think, his creative energies out or something. So that's when he made Chunking Express, like within a very short amount of time. And that movie ended up being his best film. So yeah. we went from his worst film to his best film. And I mean, the at way the to describe same time. Exp- yeah, at the, at same, the time. same time. I mean, the guy's a true Crazy. artist, right? Like he, yeah. he makes a movie and he's like, oh, I need to do something else to you know, to, to, to like, uh, you know, get this out of me. And, and so he, he makes like his best art, you know, during that time. Uh, so Trunking Express, uh, it's best, I think it's best explained as like a drama slash comedy. Uh, it's split into two stories about lovesick Hong Kong policemen uh, mulling over their respective relationships that have just ended. Uh, so there's two cops. Uh, one is played by Takeshi Kaneshiro. And the second is played by Tony Leung. I felt like Takeshi's segment uh, really captures loneliness that consumes yes. you when you kind of part ways with 
person you love and he's totally hung up on this and you see how this manifests and how he goes out to run so hard that he can sweat out all the water uh, in his body so that he doesn't have enough water for tears <laughs> right. uh, that's so Wong Kar Wai um, he calls up all his uh, he's so lonely that he calls up like his classmates from elementary school to see what they're doing and this is like a <laughs> like a 25 30 year old man um, you know that's how far back he's reaching to try to find some kind of connection to people so he's he's just very lonely and it's it's really sad how he caves in he devotes a lot of time to eating uh, expired pineapples and he feels like that's a metaphor for uh, the relationship that has just expired in his own life and I just love how Wong Kar Wai romanticizes uh, everyday objects and things you know like expiration dates and going on a run um, it's, it's um, and you know he Takeshi's character tries so hard to project his affections onto someone else as a rebound and he falls in love with a criminal that he's chasing played by uh, yeah. Bridget Lin uh, who dons sunglasses and a blonde wig really unique look uh, so I, I loved uh, Takeshi's segment because of just yeah how it made me feel it, it reminded me of of times where I, I felt kind of um, you know really really saddened that uh, I didn't have <laughs> that sounds so sad but yeah I didn't have a significant other and you know mm-hmm. I, I felt like my friends had all uh, moved on and um, yeah so it, I think it captures that like so well and uh tony leung segment i think that's where the film really takes off for me and it it really soars uh there's scenes of him and his stewardess uh girlfriend messing around um and and this is what we mean by dreamlike when we describe wong kar wai style like the way the camera hovers and moves with a toy toy plane that tony leung flies towards his girlfriend uh, there's a softness and graininess in the image and, and just how the camera moves all together. It just works together to create this like this very uh, dreamlike feel. It's like it, it almost feels like you're, you're floating through the movie. Um, so uh, that's like one of my favorite scenes in the film. Uh, I think the real star of this movie, you kind of already mentioned her, uh, Faye Wong. I think she's the true star of, the, of Chunking Express. Uh, the way that she acts in this movie and the decisions that she makes, they're so weird. Like... I feel like it's a person who's high all the time and she's mm. in her own world, uh, but she's so cool and attractive and you just want to hang out with her. Um, and I think I think what makes Chunking uh, Express the heart of Wong Kar Wai's filmography is just seeing real people express their heartbreak in ways that we, we don't really see on screen. We've never seen before on screen. Um, he's taking you into these people's heads and how they process these emotions, right? Like I mentioned Takeshi Kaneshiro and his pineapples. And we see Tony Leung when he breaks up with his stewardess girlfriend. He talks to objects in his apartment trying to console them over their sadness. Uh, there's like a, a shot of like a mop hanging there, uh, dripping with <laughs> water. And he's like, yeah. stop crying, don't cry. Like, uh, you know, we, need, we can't cry for her, we need to be strong. Uh, yeah, there's just so much to love here about Chungking Express and, 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 you know, how delicate um, it shows these men, you know. And I, f- I feel like in Western culture, we're a little bit afraid to be vulnerable about mm. these things. And I think Wong Kar Wai is able to put these things onto the screen, uh, things that we maybe feel, but we're afraid even in private to express our, our feelings in this way. Right. Like he just goes for it. And I think that's why 
this movie really resonated with so many people and uh, with so many uh, filmmakers as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you on the Western civilization thing. I think we are afraid to express our feelings and to see these two men who are pretty, you know, masculine and not like effeminate in any way expressing their their feelings is a very good point like i i think that wong kar wai kind of expresses the male loneliness in a way in this film that's really relatable and and kind of makes sense um one of my favorite lines is uh takeshi kanashiro's character saying do dreams have an expiry date because if they do i want them to last forever or something like oh, that yeah mm-hmm. oh man it it's such a whimsical line but it kind of cuts to you in a way you know yeah um so that's either like really good translation work or um or just Wong Kar Wai really wrote that really poignantly and made it sound so poetic in in uh, English as well um i think that the the film is just as much as the actors are a big part of it with like Fei Wong and Tony Leung, like you mentioned, I won't go too much more into them. I think the music is just as iconic a part of this film Um, from the parts where they, they kind of uh, the first act of this movie takes place in like the Indian quarter of Hong Kong. uh, And the music is just so atmospheric. It's, it, it's it's Indian music and you just feel like you're immersed in that world and it just feels like uh, it's it's kind of man if you've ever been in a big city for a long period of time you're just kind of there's just ambient noise all around you there's music there's this, the sirens you know uh, the, the car car cars honking wheels passing buses pulling up to the curb there's just a sonic soundscape all around you and i feel like we're this this movie really plunges you into what hong kong is like and the soundscape and then the music that that wong kar wai likes to use oftentimes very repetitively and repetitively in his movies is iconic i think it's another star of this movie california love man it's it's uh like you said we'll never think of that song or hear that song without thinking of this movie they are wedded at this point okay california dreaming california dreaming california love is a different song entirely i am so sorry (laughs) (laughs) oh man all the leaves they are brown sorry california dreaming and Um, and and dreams uh by the cranberries, uh, which is translated into Cantonese, that Fei Wong actually sings. What a perfect song for this kind of movie. That song makes me want to swim in memories forever, and to <laughs> see that in this movie, or to hear it in this movie, sung by the character in a, in in a way, is very meaningful and impactful. And I think it's a huge part of why I fell in love with this movie. Yeah, I think. Uh you you mentioned uh, the cityscape and all the different sounds and uh, i think it's worth mentioning that Wong Kar Wai i mean hong kong is a is an amazing city it's a beautiful city uh, there's one of my favorite skylines in the entire world but mm. in all his movies in hong kong he never shoots those uh, in those areas 
We don't even see a single shot of the Metropolis, you know, the skyscrapers and all that, right. which he totally could have. He always zones, he zooms into all these corners of Hong Kong that you don't really think, or like, I don't, I don't think of, Hong, when I see these scenes in the movie, I don't think of, that's not what I think of when I think of Hong Kong. And he chooses to focus on these areas. Uh, I'm assuming because he, he's, you know, had exposure and he's grown up in those areas. But uh, I think also it's, it's so much more fascinating, you know, it's, it feels alive and it, people are just living in such close quarters and there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely feels uh, like, like you said, like, uh, like a true city, very lived in. I think if you were to shoot all those skyscrapers, it, it just kind of feels more alienating and cold, uh, too modern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So, uh, Chunking Express. This is a uh, this is one of my favorite films of all time. So, and mm-hmm. uh, we just said, you know, before, uh, if you start anywhere in Wong Kar Wai's filmography, you have to start here. Not, uh, right. not, not as as Ashes of Time. That's like, uh, man, if if you want, if you lose a bet or something, like that's a movie that you would watch. <laughs> it's suicide, it's Suicide Squad level. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I think we need to watch it again, but I think it'll take sure. us like maybe f- a couple years to come back to that. <laughs> we're, we're, more, we're more a little bit more refined in our taste in movies. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is Fallen Angels, nineteen ninety five. This is another two-part story, like Chunking Express, and it's actually loosely connected to Chunking Express. Uh, there's drama, there's comedy, and there's crime. Uh, Joe, what did you think about Fallen Angels? Yeah, this this film is about two uh, hit hitmen or hit a uh, hitman and a hit woman who share a hideout, and the hit woman kind of falls in love with the hitman because she kind of interacts with his items almost which is a very fascinating concept actually yeah um it it kind of is this idea that the things that a person's belongings almost carry the the character of that person in a way so it's like if you see your spouse's like belongings you totally know oh my gosh yeah that's totally hers or that's totally his in the same way i think that's what they're hitting on here which is really fascinating um and it's devastating too because i think there's some desolation when we we find that the hit woman will not see that love that she had been fostering met um it's such a gut punch and by the end of the movie we find that she's completely a shell of her former self um and just never had a chance for that love that she had to develop i think it was just such a an interesting uh, dilemma almost it's like you almost want to say to this woman hey don't fall in love with someone you're professionally working with because that that that'll never go well but i i find that Wong Kar Wai kind of leans into the idea that you don't get to choose love almost it has to choose you and you're like doomed to be bound by it in a way Dang, that's and deep. um wow yeah like it yeah this 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 film took me to some very sad places it was like whew, mm-hmm. that's that's rough <laughs> you know yeah um yeah i feel like this is uh 
this is darker uh, and even more dreamlike than Chungking Express because he plays a lot with colors, even more so than Chungking. Uh, like we switched yeah. to black and white. Uh, we have like these orange foggy. It's like the image feels a lot more foggy. And there's even some cool action uh, too. Like the hitman has two guns. He starts shooting right. up a joint. Um, the way that things fly out, it felt like a John Woo film. Uh, but this is also funnier and strange. Like, yeah. uh, I, I think the idea, like you mentioned, like the hit woman and the hit man sharing a, a common space. Uh, but she never really sees him, but she's infatuated with him and in love with him based on uh, the objects, right? I think Wong yeah. Kar Wai loves playing with those objects. And I wish we could see this more in movies where these these little things, like they, re- they remind you of a person or they tell you something about a person. And, mm-hmm. you know, inherently there's nothing about the object itself, but, you know, what we kind of project onto them. Um, I kind of wish we've, we would see this concept explored more. I think he could have made an entire movie out of this one concept of these two people in love, uh, but they don't actually mm-hmm. meet, but they just have this shared space. Um, Takeshi Kaneshiro is in this movie. Uh, he's the... Oh, yeah. Uh, so the first story is about the hitman, hit woman. Takeshi Kaneshiro's character has a loose link to Chunking Express. He mentions eating a lot of expired uh, pineapples, and he went. Uh, he's now mute. His character is very strange. Like, uh, he breaks into people's shops, and then he starts, like, pretending like he works there, right? Or something. Right. And then uh, he forces... Yeah. Yeah, and he forces people, like, uh, or gangsters or whatever on the street to, like, eat the food, or he tries <laughs> try to... Well, at one point, he like, climbs on top of a dead pig and, like, tries to ride the dead pig. It's it's so weird, but it's also hilarious. Uh, I think he's the heart of the movie. There's a lot of scenes where... We watch this together over the phone, too, and, you know, we laugh out loud in a lot of scenes. Yeah. Um, I think what hit you... It seems like the the hitman hit woman story really hit you uh, emotionally, but for me, it was actually Takeshi Kaneshiro's uh, character who kind of resonated with me. Uh, in in the movie, he's close to his dad, and uh, they live together. And he kind of messes with his dad a lot. His dad's like t- taking a dump, and he like throws something in there to like kind of mess with <laughs> yeah. his dad. Uh, but then it, you know he films a lot. He has a camcorder, uh, and Takeshi just films his dad doing things like cooking. We're doing uh, mundane things. Or even, like, he films his dad sleeping. And then towards the end of the movie, his dad uh, passes away. And he... Uh, there's a scene where he's, like, re-watching uh, footage of his father and, and how he misses his his dad's cooking. And, and he'll never have, uh, like, the beef or whatever uh, that his dad cooks so well. Like, he won't ever have that again. Uh, I remember when I first watched this film, I was like, I had tears in my eyes just because uh, just mm. the fact that we have that technology now to capture people who we love and, you know, we can constantly go back and review it. Uh, and it just kind of reminds us of the, the time that we had with these people. Um, right. Yeah, that was that was very touching to me. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, Fallen Angels, definitely worth a watch. If you love Chunking Express, this is kind of similar, but... Uh, even more out there than Chung King. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Shall we move on to the next one? Yep. Happy together. All right. Next up is Happy Together, uh, released in 1997. This is a film about a turbulent romance between two gay men in Argentina. Uh, Job, tell us about Happy Together. <laughs> gay stuff. 
<laughs> I you know I I I appreciated this film in terms of the filmmaking of it um but I really have very little to say um this is one of the movies that just did not connect with me um I think I think that it just kind of is there's this, there's too much of a cognitive dissonance uh and I I think this is actually fundamentally an issue I have with auteurs or directors bringing back the same actor constantly in their movies is that like I can't unsee or like I can't detach my perception of that actor being someone else so like you know when when a when an actor gets typecast you know um like I'm trying to think you know Chris Evans is always going to be Captain America for example right you can't you can't not see Captain America in him in the same way I can't unsee Tony Leung as like you know a a cop from Chunking Express or like um Mr. Chow from like the in the mood for love um I can't see him being someone else so this movie just there was that constant distraction to me and I I just couldn't get past it um yeah I really have I have very little to say, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, this is one of the first movies that we. Uh, this is the the first movie we watched uh, when we we're trying to when we we're going back and rewatching right. uh, Wonka Wai stuff. So you know, yeah. it's been a while. Uh, we started this Odyssey like two months ago. But uh, for me, like this is the second time I watched the movie, and I I actually really enjoyed it. And I I think you know even though maybe it didn't resonate with you the first time, I highly recommend going back and rewatching it. Yeah. Um, like visually it feels very experimental uh, he plays even more with color there's extended sequences in black and white uh, there, the, he, some scenes will turn green uh, he, he likes orange and blue a lot um, the whole movie feels very grimy uh, all, the, all the locations they inhabit are falling apart um, and so it, it kind of almost feels like their relationship like it's just everything is just in shambles and, you know, their environments are like that as well. Uh, and, you know, in Chunking Express and Fallen Angels, we don't really see the relationships fully realized. Uh, but in Happy Together, uh, we get an entire picture of a couple and how they just, no matter what, even though there's love involved between the two, it's just very complicated. And they just, they can't be together for some reason. Um, just the, their personalities and how they clash. Um, Tony Leung and Leslie Chung, I, I love their performances in the movie. It's a very physical performance. There's lots of yelling and getting into each other's faces, uh, you know, arguing in close quarters. Uh, I, I really felt uh, for these characters um, and uh, and their relationship. And again, there's a lot of loneliness in here too and about how uh, Tony Young's character meets a guy, uh, Chang Chen, um, who I, I don't know like it's a friendship, but I think maybe Tony Young may may have been projecting uh, affections onto him as like a rebound or something. But uh, Chang Chen's character does something like he records people's uh, voices so that he can remember them forever. And another Wong Kar Wai uh, <laughs> like thing with objects that you know yeah. that I really I found really cool. Um. All right, since, I mean, you don't have much to say about it. Uh, I mean, you yeah. know, just on, on this note, like, just give it another shot. Uh, just give it some time and then go, yeah, go back to it. It's There's a lot in yeah. here that's really good. 
for sure. All right, uh, next. All right, Wong Kar Wai's Magnum Opus, uh, In the Mood for Love, released in 2000. This is a film about a man and a woman whose spouses are having an affair. All right, since you don't have much to say about Happy Together, I'm assuming you have a lot more to say about In the Mood for Love. Yes, In the Mood for Love is a masterpiece. Um, on its own, as its own film, it's charming and beautiful. There's uh, an amazing attention to detail, set design, um, outfits for the characters, um, and the performances from the actors and actresses in this film are legendary. I, I'll just say it, they're legendary. Uh, Maggie Chung always, um, she's she's the lead female character in this movie she always lends this like childlike innocence with her with her eyes and with her facial expressions and that's super accentuated in this film um and even when um in later in the film when she realizes that her husband truly is having an affair on her and she's talking to tony learning about it there's this heartbreaking innocence to how sorrowful and sad she actually is about it um, and I think there's this yearning for things to be made right. And on its own, already, like, an amazingly beautiful performance. When viewed in and framed against this character's history back in Days of Being Wild, it's just, I use this word a lot for Wong Kar Wai movies, but it's just devastating um, what she's been through. Um, and talking about Tony Leung's character I think he lends a lot of gravitas to this movie as well he's charming in this one um and it's here in this movie that Wong Kar Wai's tendencies towards um this concept of near misses becomes very obvious um we see that a lot in his previous movies in Chunking Express actually um it's, I'm not sure if we mentioned this in our review of it a couple movies back here but um Fei Wong and Tony Leung show up and make brief cameos with the first act characters Kaneshi uh Kaneshiro and um Bridget Lin's characters they're actually in the background and kind of nearly miss them or uh nearly interact but they don't and it's kind of this interesting thing Tony, um Wong Kar Wai is so interested in the idea of barely missing a moment or like brushing shoulders with someone that you'll never meet again, but then they be, they have their own story and we follow their story instead. And it's this, and he communicates that in this very strong sense of loss. Um, and in this movie, we see that a lot as well. Um, when Tony Leung feels like he's met the love of his life really in this woman that moved next door and they build a companionship because both their spouses are actually cheating on them with each other. Um, he realizes he's developing feelings for Maggie's character as well. Um, Sue Lee Zen or Mrs. Chan in this movie. Um, but th over the course of this film, they kind of um, decide this isn't going to work. And then he moves to Singapore, but then he she comes to, find him but they barely miss each other again and they just miss out and I just feel like it's this really sorrowful but very real thing where people feel like they just miss that 
one chance at love or like true love or like true happiness um and when they do it it feels like there's this inevitable sense of doom that this is it like this was my one chance um and i think this movie kind of really shows that in in Wong Kar Wai's most mature directing and his most polished I think directing um to date um and I think it's just such a brilliant but really heartbreaking aspect of this story man uh very well said Job I mean uh there's not much more I could say because I think everything you said, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. This is a masterpiece. You don't need to watch Days of Being Wild uh, to have like a, an appreciation for this movie. It stands so well on its own. Just like how you know Star Wars Episode Four stands so well on its own, mm-hmm. even though it's a middle chapter film. Uh, the, objectively, right, it's, it's Wong Kar Wai's best and most perfect film. Uh, it's my second favorite because of just uh, how whimsical and fun Chunking Express is. But, you know, In the Mood for Love is definitely way up there for me as well. Uh, I think one uh, one thing I, I guess I can mention that maybe uh, you didn't touch upon was uh, how he doesn't really give you all the details, right? He just gives you enough for you to piece together what's happening. He skips from one scene to the next uh there's multiple time jumps but it all makes sense right he he does this with scenes and set in such tight quarters so we get very little sense of the outside world it's so uh, focused on these characters and and about uh and revealing the thing that's happening to them that that's happened you know uh behind the scenes uh without their knowledge um yeah uh this is the other film that we highly recommend that you watch uh, for in Wong Kar Wai's filmography. Okay, so Chunking Express and In the Mood for Love. Um, there's a lot more that we could say about it, but you know, we just for the sake of time, we should uh, move on. Yeah. To uh, the follow-up film, uh, 2046, released in 2004. This is a follow-up to Days of Being Wild and In the Mood for Love. Uh, to me, this this movie feels like Avengers Endgame. Uh, where, where past characters converge in one film, uh, you see, you have arcs actually being closed in a Wong Kar Wai movie, and uh, you see I, I kind of mentioned this before, but uh, you see you hear the uh, theme from Days of Being Wild played over Karina Lau's introduction, and that gave me goosebumps. Uh, seeing Faye Wong return in a Wong Kar Wai movie, even though she's not playing the same character from Chunking Express, like it's just seeing her and Tony Leung together in in scenes again like it she just has this charm that warms up the screen i i love her hair in this film it's it's very 1960s yes uh it, it feels like part in the mood for love uh with the scene set in hong kong just all the tight shots uh really close up to the characters you don't really see the outside world um but there's also some new territory that i think Wong Kar Wai expands into with uh, the scene set in 2046. I, I would love to see him make like some kind of futuristic movie, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I think he would make it look really unique and interesting. Uh, Zhang Ziyi is in this movie. Uh, she's a new addition to uh, Wong Kar Wai's uh, filmography. She's a prominent love interest for Tony Leung in this movie. For me, uh, her character just didn't quite capture me like Maggie Chung did in, in The Mood for Love. Uh, there are direct parallel scenes 
to in the mood that I, but I don't found it. I, I didn't find it uh, hitting me as hard. Like Zhang Ziyi is dressed beautifully, but her character just to me comes off, came off as a little loud and somewhat bratty. Mm. It's not nearly as classy as Maggie Chung. And I think, you know, Tony Leung's character in this movie is not very likable either. Uh, you know, I, it feels like he's descended into what Leslie Chung's character was in Days of Being Wild. He's kind of just lost yes. all substance and class, and it's all about seducing women now. He just cares about all he cares about is having sex. And I'm wondering, you know, like, man, this is what happened to him. Like, he's so heartbroken from missing out on Maggie Chung that he's just become like a shell of his former self. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like this is a, the horniest of Wong Kar Wai movies. There's sex off screen. <laughs> sex on screen we go through a very long stretch where i'd say 20 to 30 minutes is focused on the sexual relationship between tony Leung and zhang ziyi and you know i mean i didn't find it particularly interesting i feel like it's it's more powerful like the what he conveyed in in the mood for love is so much more powerful than i think these steamy sex scenes in this movie yeah yeah i I I I I feel you and I, but I do think that is intentional which is mm. really interesting. I think that in the mood for love like even though it was about affairs and such it it was a very innocent feeling love, a very wholesome like pure love the the Tony Lung and and Maggie Chung in in the mood for love bonded over writing martial arts movies, uh, movies, uh, novels. And it it's just this really like almost childlike love, and it feels pure. But here it's like debased, you know. It's like uh, um, Zhang Ziyi's character is very attractive and seductive, um, and for a little bit, is it it's enough to satisfy Tony Lung's character's desires, but. But she actually falls in love with him, and but then he realizes he doesn't want this. This isn't the kind of woman that he that Maggie Chung was, and I think that's on purpose. I feel like she's supposed to be this desired socialite um, woman, but broken and wanting love. It's kind of like Holly Golightly, Audrey Hepburn's character in Breakfast at Tiffany's, except mm. like in reverse, you know, where she's the one who falls in love and gets turned down by fred um and if you haven't seen that movie i highly recommend it it's it's a great film too even though there's a lot of racism in it but that's another topic um (laughs) yeah so i think i think the fact that you feel this almost disconnect with the um the relationship here and that it's like very very physical and very like graphically physical is actually on purpose which is Mm. really fascinating um, it's supposed to show just how empty and hollow um, Chow's life has become, Tony Lung's character's life has become since In the Mood for Love, um, which I think is really sad, but also very effective. When you watch them kind of back to back like that, and you see like the parallels, but also the um, the differences. It's it's really stark and and just feels amazing and sad. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, let's talk. I, I think you make a really good point about like the, the descent of Chow, uh, Tony Leung's character. Uh, I, I think you make a very good point about how, yeah. like, he. I think Walker White wants you to feel like this is the complete opposite of what 
his true love was like in Maggie Chung. Like he's just all about sex and physical gratification, but not about like that soulmate, you know, that he, that he had, was so close to having, you know, that, that kind of got, got away. Um, the, let's talk about the room 2046. Uh, what do you think it symbolizes? Cause you know, we know it's the room that uh, where in, in the mood for love where Tony Leung and Maggie Chung tried to write the novel uh, it's where his love for Maggie Chung grew. What do you, yeah. what do you think? Because in this movie, he tries to get a room in 2046, but uh, he isn't able to, and he, he has to stay in 2047 instead. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of this idea that he's heartbroken or ha- unhappy, and it, it's it's a universal truth. It's It's like when someone is heartbroken and unhappy about where they are in their life, uh, they often tend to try to return to the last time they were actually truly happy uh, almost like looking to recapture magic in the bottle or the spark of of like love of the of your youth i think we see a lot of adults talk about back in my day it was this way you know or like trying to always recapture their childhood um trying to call back to i used to play sports and i used to be athletic and now i'm not you know and all this stuff and I think people are always looking for the past and I think that's what 2046 represents it's it's a movie about regrets and wanting to move constantly forward into the past it's like the only way forward is to look back I guess because it'll never be as good as it used to be which is such a sad worldview um, but it's it's also tragically such a relatable one as well and I think that's what the room represents for Chow is this like portal into recapturing the man he used to be and the love that he used to have. Yeah, man, I I totally agree with you on that. And just building off of that, I think it's it's Wonkar Wai's most emotionally draining film. Uh, like you know, it's a culmination of two other movies, and this movie ends on such a downer. Like he's sitting alone in a cab, like yeah. slouching in, in the seat. And man, you got to wonder what in the world he went through. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wong Kar, what Wong Kar Wai went through when he was younger. Like, man, this is his outlook on love. But, you know, today I actually found an article. And, you know, we I sent it to you and we kind of, you kind of briefly mentioned, uh, you messaged a response. But uh, he wants to continue this story in... Uh, his new film blossoms which he's going to supposedly going to start shooting in july of 2020 that's uh, exciting which is next month I, ho- I hope he gets to make it and i hope he gets to make it uh complete it soon because man we the world needs some more wong kar wai he hasn't made a movie in a while <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i i know i'm like the music guy i guess in in this review section but i want to talk about the music in 2046 mm, um, yeah, it, it is just so beautiful and mournful i secret gardens adagio plays throughout it and it just haunts me every time and i actually listen to it every time i'm sad and lonely and i think about android fei wong looking out the window as the world passes (laughs) by you know and i look out my window and see my backyard and uh no but it's i think the music is again a star in this film and it's I think in the mood for love's music is the same way, but I think this one just really, it really makes this film sound 
feel even more sad than it already is. And I hope to God that like Wong Kar Wai's continuation of this is a little happier because I feel so freaking bad for these characters, you know? Yeah, man. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I hope it ends on a good note because, you know, he is, he's married and um, I, I attended actually one of like a Q&A with him uh, at, in LA once. And, you know, he, he talks about his wife. Like he's like, he loves his wife and how supportive she has been throughout his career. So, I mean, it obviously ended happily for him. So I hope in, yeah. in, in his uh, movie Blossoms that, <laughs> that that gets explored a little bit more oh, or he's able to project ho- some of those. Yeah. What was that? Sorry. I was going to say the title sounds hopeful. Blossom. Yeah. Blossom. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he meets Maggie Chung's character, but older. Oh, that's an idea. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, the next film. This is his ninth out of 10th film. So we got two more movies. Uh, this is, this one's interesting. Okay. This is called my blueberry nights. It was released in 2007. This is Wong Kar Wai's first and only English language movie. It's a cross-country romantic drama. Um, now, we know that Wong Kar Wai can command an amazing cast in Asia, but man, in the West, when he comes over here, it seems like everybody <laughs> wants to work with him. Uh, in this movie, this movie stars Nora Jones, Jude Law, Natalie Portman, Rachel Weisz. This is a cast that is stacked. And it's such an interesting experiment, right? Like Wong Kar Wai writing and directing an American film with English-speaking actors. So how much of his movies from Hong Kong translated to America? Uh, well, I think it's safe to say, right, his signature uh, cinematography is very much present. He has amazing colors, uh, handheld camera. He has the uh, step, print, step printing, uh, slow shutter speed, the, those uh, time lapses. Uh, it's a, a gorgeous film to watch, as are uh, most of Wong Kar Wai's movies. Um, even some of his poetic dialogue makes the transition into English, like uh, the metaphor about the keys in the restaurant and all how couples drop off their keys after they break up because uh, the apartment they once shared is now vacant because uh, everyone's moved out. So they drop off, their, they leave their keys at the restaurant with uh, Jude Law's character. Um, I think all the actors here do a really great job they're all very likable uh in the role in their roles um and you know it's it's a delightful movie to watch but it just doesn't quite pack the same punch as Wong Kar Wai's other movies it feels like a light-hearted very light-hearted uh Wong Kar Wai film I mean maybe I don't know if the characters are weird enough you know like because Wong Kar Wai's movies have so many weird interesting characters it is, this movie doesn't have like a Fei Wong or like a Takeshi Kaneshiro um, True. Well, what did you what did you think of uh, my Blueberry Nights? Yeah, I I think I think I think Natalie Portman was the closest thing to that like uh, eclectic, strange woman, but it 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 doesn't translate in the same way. Um, I I thought this movie was so full of charm. I I personally loved it. I thought Nora Jones. I think this was her first role, right, as an actress. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I thought she played a great role she was kind of an audience surrogate for us uh in a way we were kind of like seeing the world through her eyes and i think um this wide-eyed like sad but hopeful and optimistic look is very interesting i think it's a departure from a lot of wong kar wai's characters she kind of decides to do something about her her lot in life she kind of 
keeps moving she moves from place to place meets people uh, meets strange new people and kind of tries to make a living for herself so that she can get a car um i believe a lot of this movie happens to her but i i did think that um it was kind of refreshing uh, after seeing all of these characters bathed in just this inevitable sense of doom she she was kind of like this interesting bright spot where she kind of just took matters into her own hands and then came back um to to eventually be with jude law's character um without spoiling too much of this i thought that was refreshing i really loved it i'd like to see this movie again um it's not emotionally like as gut punching like you said um but i i thought it was like really really casual and soothing but also still enough meaning to be very compelling i'd say yeah and you know i think after actually after chunking express and in the mood for love uh i'd probably recommend this movie uh for people Mm. to watch because it's in english and it's i just think it's a fascinating viewing to see uh like a an asian filmmaker make the jump to like a western film with western actors and um and how all those trademarks that he has uh how it translates uh into uh, an american film uh so I don't know and it's you know it's an easy i think it's an easy viewing it's 90 minutes so uh you know it's easy to easy to get through yeah all right uh let's move on to his last film this is called the grand master which was released in 2013 it's a martial arts drama based on the life story of wing chun grand master it man that's right it man uh whose most famous student was bruce lee uh, this movie is supposed to be about the life of Ip Man, but it only gives you disjointed fragments. Um, just when I felt felt like I was settling into a scene or feeling like I was grasping character, uh, the movie skips a couple years later, and it yes. fills in the gap with narration and text on the screen. The, the text on the screen literally tells you what happens in between the scenes. Uh, it's a little off-putting because we know that this is supposed to be a movie about a real person, right? This is not like a fictional film. But the scenes and the content, they don't really have the narrative cohesiveness that I think a movie like this needs. I- I'm pretty sure Wong Kar Wai shot way more footage, but this was like condensed down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a very big departure from the movie It Man starring Donnie Yen. Uh, and this movie is played by Tony Leung and... Man, is there anything this man can't do? Like the kung fu in this movie <laughs> looks so good and indistinguishable from other. Yeah, it looks, it looks like just any other Chinese martial arts films. But you know, Tony Leung is an actor's actor, so I, I didn't know that he could do moves like that. And apparently, he trained for two years for this role. Wow. So I mean, dude, it, it really paid off. He looks like a kung fu master. Um, yeah, it, it is. I mean, we sound like a broken record, right? Uh, it's it is a great looking movie. Uh, down to the wardrobe uh, it man wearing a white hat with a black outfit in the rain it looks so slick yes uh, Zhang Ziyi is in this movie too uh, she's great in the fight scenes there's that snowy train station fight sequence that was jaw dropping to look at yes. uh, the combination of the snowfall the gush of the wind from the train the two fighters with elegant moves like it was just beautiful Like I, I wanted more of that stuff 
maybe if he had focused on maybe a couple years of his life rather than just a larger period of time, uh, maybe maybe it would have been like a more f- uh, full or, or complete feeling film. Yeah. yeah. What, what like would you think? Montage. Yeah, it yeah, felt like right. a montage of moments. Uh, I really like your what you said. I think like focusing in on one to two years of Ip Man's life might have been more interesting, or at least there you might have been able to draw more character work out of it. Um, kind of like Donnie Yen's Ip Man's. Actually, it's it's kind of more of a moment in time, even though those are more superhero movies than martial art right. movies at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um. Yeah, it felt it felt like a, there's a lot of voiceover work that's doing the heavy lifting of telling the story, and that just is not a good building block for a compelling movie. Um, you know, we we like to make fun of exposition. We like to uh, call it the Doctor Strange effect, right? Uh, like just yeah. over over exposition, and I think there was just too much talking and not en- enough showing. Although when they did show stuff like the action set pieces they were phenomenal like you said playing with the water and the rain and such and then also just the um the choreography was just so tight and yeah i i did feel like we weren't watching some amateur trying to do kung fu it looked like someone who was proficient in wing chun i mean um the the branch of kung fu that Ip Man and bruce lee popularized um, this movie is literally like grand and and epic in scope. It, it's it is the best looking Wong Kar Wai movie, I would say. It's it's definitely the most well produced and the slickest. The production value is exquisite. The um, the filmic color timing really works too. I think um, what what doesn't work obviously is just how they try to kind of cram our cram the story down our throats in a way um i i wish that we cared about these characters i wish we cared about zhang ziyi's character more i wish we cared about it man we barely knew anything about his family um and watching donnie yen's it man movies it felt like he was a huge family man so i don't know what the truth is maybe we need to look that up but there was just not enough there for us to latch on to and that makes this a very not Wong Kar Wai-ish movie. Um, it's a very different departure, and I think that's just tragic. I maybe he maybe because of the the budget he was given, there was a lot less creative control he was afforded. Um, yeah, it's possible. Probably have to look more into that. But this review kind of just takes the movie as it is, right? So without all of that extra backstory, and it just feels like it's dripping in potential and could have been so much more, but unfortunately kind of falls flat. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we're, we're pretty much in agreement on all these movies, maybe except uh, happy together. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 But, uh, all right. So I think that concludes our discussion of uh, the filmography of Wong Kar Wai. Uh, we really appreciate you guys, uh, tuning in and listening to this entire thing if you've made it this far uh, Job any 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 final thoughts on Wong Kar Wai his films uh, what they mean to you uh, before we sign off no I, you know I think Wong Kar Wai's movies 
came at a at a time in my life where I was looking to kind of grow in in my appreciation of art in general. <laughs> this sounds so pretentious, but uh, it it kind of came at a at a point where I was really looking to challenge myself because I I'd, I'd watched art house movies in the past and appreciated some of them. I'd watched some of the classics and. I love all the superhero movies and Star Wars and Jurassic Park and all of those tentpole mainstream films. But Wong Kar Wai's Chunking Express came at a time when you and I were were becoming pretty good friends, Mike. And um, it was a, a, a film that was Chunking Express was a film that was challenging to me in that I kind of had to really like hone in on what I don't understand what is going on. <laughs> But why why is this like making me feel things? <laughs> you know, it's like um, it it's kind of this weird movie that happens to you. But as we've explored Wong Kar Wai's filmography the last ten times, you kind of understand more like the mechanics of why these movies work. Um, you ca- I feel like I've gained like a language for Wong Kar Wai's films almost um, where any movie I was watching between them kind of like felt so pithy and shallow and like not interesting and um, you know, even great movies. And so I would say if you're at a point in your life where you've watched all 20,000 Marvel movies and you're thinking, is there more to life than this? Um, <laughs> consider taking a dip into, into Wong Kar Wai's world. You might not like it. Um, and I understand why you wouldn't, but I'd say it's worth it's worth it just for the experience of kind of stretching your world almost. And and I think in a lot of ways, Wong Kar Wai brings a lot of his humanity into these movies, even more so than than some directors and filmmakers do. And I think it's just an interesting exercise, I suppose. But, I mean, Chunking Express is also just a really enjoyable film. So you'll just come out of it being better. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that, man. I, I'm i glad you enjoy uh, Wong Kar Wai films. I, I'm glad we got to share that. Like, you allowed me to show you uh, Chunking Express and In the Mood for Love. Uh, you know, it, it was fun watching it with you because, you know, we would talk about it afterwards and mm-hmm. just kind of figure out the film. And uh, I, I'm just grateful that you're you're a person who wants to challenge uh, himself, you know, with with the the kinds of movies uh, that you watch and, and wanting to stretch yourself. And I, I think it makes you appreciate movies all the more because you know that there's a, this huge spectrum of types of films that you know that are out there, you know, and. Like, I mean, just going back to the analogy earlier in the podcast, right? Like, you don't want to just eat one kind of food all the time. Like, you really right. don't know what you're missing. There's so much good stuff out there. And you just never know. Maybe Wong Kar Wai is not your thing, but maybe there's another auteur out there who really fits your sensibilities. So uh, hopefully we can do this again in the future uh, with another filmmaker, uh, another one who's maybe not American or uh, from the West, and uh, yeah, it, it's just it's so interesting to see how people from other parts of the world, how they tell their stories and, and the unique ways that they find to express 
these ideas and these emotions. Uh, I think that's the beauty of cinema, you know. So movies are not just, you know, uh, Pixar or Marvel or, you know, DC. Uh, you know, it, it's it's way more than that. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, I think it just it, it makes life feel you know even more that much fuller because now you've you've uh, gained something that maybe you didn't uh, a new type of way of seeing things that maybe you yeah. didn't have before. Again, Mike and I we love the the blockbusters too so this isn't like an indictment on enjoying that it's just that i think actually your enjoyment of those films will be enhanced because you have built a wider vocabulary of of films that you have experienced and watched and studied so i would just say take all of it as a great feast with many options yeah definitely yep all right. Um, thanks, Suzanne, for listening uh, to this point in the podcast. We really hope you would check out uh, the films of Wong Kar Wai. Please let us know if you uh, have watched them and let us know what you think. And we would love to discuss them with you. Uh, we're personally trying to build a little uh, cinephile uh, community. But, uh, oh, I think we should also mention uh, Chunking Express in the Mood for Love. You can find those two films on the Criterion Channel, which is an online streaming service for all these kinds of films, art house films, foreign films, uh, old classics. Um, yeah, uh, really great resource. We both have Criterion Channel. It's about eight bucks a month. Uh, we highly recommend it if you want to expand your horizons in cinema. And uh, my Blueberry Nights, uh, you can watch that on YouTube and Vudu for free, actually, with ads. And uh, Ashes of Time and uh, 2046 are both available on Amazon Prime. Although the, uh, uh, I know you like talking about transfers, Joe, but uh, yeah, the transfer of 2046 on Amazon Prime is atrocious. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> but we, we, we should, it looks like someone ripped a DVD and, and put it on Amazon Prime. Um, oh. But, but we, we should mention, we, we should mention that sometime in 2020, Criterion is going to release uh, a 4K uh, box set of Wong Kar Wai films. We don't know which movies are going to be in there, um, but uh, it's going to be a 4K restoration, uh, a box set of all most of his films, I think, or hopefully all of them. And uh, it's going to be one gorgeous uh, piece of uh, of a uh, of a movie to add to your collection. So, uh, yeah, consider buying that as well. Um, so we. We thank you again uh, for tuning in. Um, We will see you all next time. Please stay safe out there. Take care. And cut.